Thanks for coming out on a cold, dreary day. So much for the, uh, the uh, nuclear ice storm that they were predicting yesterday. My word. They make it seem like it's a big, uh, big to-do anytime weather comes. But hey, you've got to get those clicks in on your, uh, on your page somehow, right? No, so uh, I'm excited. Pastor Stephen Mamier, uh, Pastor Stephen Mamier letting me speak two weeks in a row. Uh, I'm excited about this, and uh, I'm excited because I want to continue on where I, I kind of left off a few weeks ago. Um, we were talking about a topic of, it was called spiritual engineering. And the idea is, and I, I, I want to first of all just put it out there, I, I don't profess that I am some, some great master engineer in real life. I work for a company that does a lot of engineering, uh, but it's not that like I have, I have the corner on the market that I understand everything. But as I was praying about it and looking into just spending time with God, I really started to see that, my gosh, there's so many correlations between natural engineering and almost kind of a spiritual engineering. God calls us to be engineers from a spiritual standpoint within our lives. We're called to build things in our lives. And as we, uh, as we open up, if you could, just turn while, while we're uh, I'm opening up here, if you could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, it's not on the outline, it's, uh, but if we could turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And what I want to do is I want to just kind of piggyback a little bit, do a little bit of catch up from our previous message. And we really were talking about how that just in the same way, we looked at some really marvels of of engineering. There was one that stood out uh, to me. It was a clock that was created in the 12th century, and the guy that created it, the clock was able to track three different time zones, four seasons, the setting and rising of the sun, taking into account the changes of the season, and the guy built that in the 1200s, and it still functions today. I mean, obviously, there's some level of upkeep that's done, but the fact that someone was able to to create that, and then to have it accurately track that is amazing. And what I was trying to get us to understand in, that for, in, in the other message is that just in the same way, there's a lot of modern marvels of engineering that mankind has accomplished, but there's a lot of marvels that God wants to do in our lives spiritually. Things just the same way that you think of that, oh my gosh, how on earth could someone build that, a clock like that, and do that, I want you to have the same level of awe that God can do something like that in your life. In fact, he's the master at working with things and doing things that are beyond anything that we could ask or think. I don't know if you've noticed, but if I, if, if you look at the variety of wildlife that is out there, I mean, you look, you look at some of the fish under the sea, I mean, how on earth? I mean, really, coming up with all that stuff? I'd be like, okay, fish are blue. Cats, sorry, you're all black. Dogs, you're going to be brown. I mean, no, but God had endless variety that he created. And he wants that, 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 that same thing is imparted into us. Our creator lives within us. We live within him. So what I want us to do is I want us to start to open up the realities in our own mind to think that, you know what, I, it's almost kind of like a, a challenge to ourselves. I'm capable of more. I'm capable of more. There's more that God wants to give me in my life. 
but I got to build it. And sometimes our lives, they look a little complex. Anybody else have a, a complex looking life sometimes, you think? And sometimes, sometimes it's of your own, your own choices. You know, like how many, you, you've encountered the problems where like the, the problem finally arrives and you're like, how on earth? And then you start to think back to like your past choices and you're like, no, no, no. I know exactly how this happened, right? Or is that just me? No, I, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. But you do have those things that come up in your life that are unexpected. True. Things that you can't prepare for, things that you wouldn't possibly imagine that are things that you're going to face. But the marvelous thing is, is that God knows what you're going through. He knows our life the whole way through. There's nothing that is going to take God or the Holy Spirit by surprise. He knows the disappointments that you're going to have. He knows the challenges that you're going to have. And you know what? He gives you all the tools to get around them. Sometimes that isn't just as simple as, well, I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible and I'm just going to open it up randomly and we're going to read First Chronicles chapter 3 and that's going to be the one that just gets me through everything. Well, I hope you like genealogies because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> no, but God does give you the ability to do it. But sometimes it involves some complexity that we're going to have to work through some things to overcome some odds. Some of the problems that we face require some pretty inventive solutions, but you know what? God is able to help us through that. I had a picture that I wanted to share with you guys. This is, this is kind of crazy. So this is, this is a, a, if you sliced open one of the older submarines, this is the picture of what it, take, what it took to engineer a submarine. That is like, to me, that's like a plate of mechanical spaghetti, if I look at that. But here's the thing to consider. A submarine... They're taking a ship and putting it underwater at varying depths that has to account for the atmosphere that is being pressed upon it underwater. You've got to make sure that the people in it are able to be sustained. They're able to do the right observations they can do. They can travel. And then also, uh, it has to be able to attack. There's a lot of things going on. And if you think about it, you look at this and you think, well, that's just a big mess. No, 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 no. To mechanical, electrical engineers, they look at that and think, that is... Whew, that's close to perfection. Because to them, every little part of that makes sense. Every little part of it serves a function. Everything has a purpose. I mean, and if you think about it, in a submarine, they are not, obviously, they are not wasting space for anything. But what I want to say is sometimes in our lives, we come up with, there's problems that face, that we are faced with that require complex solutions. It's not just a simple, well, I'm going to make it to church this Sunday and everything is better. I'm going to pray and God's, it's just going to be, that, that, that's all I need to do. No, 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 no. Sometimes, sometimes it's going to require a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on our part to get where we need to be. I guarantee that the first design of that sub the first time that they went to go do it, I guarantee it didn't work perfectly the first time. I guarantee it didn't work perfectly the second time. Third, fourth, fifth. And in fact, as generations have gone by, all of what we have for the marvelous nuclear submarines now are all based on what somebody else did long ago. It's a collaborative work, a progressive work. 
And so that's what we need to be ready for in our lives is that God has some things for us that he really wants us to get into, some marvelous plans. God doesn't want you to just sit around and be depressed. God doesn't want you to sit around and feel like, I just need to make it one more week. He doesn't want us to sit around and feel like every relationship that we, ha- that we have in our life is falling apart or in constant tension. He doesn't want that. He wants us to get to a place where his plan is coming to fruition in our life. And it says that it's a good plan, an acceptable plan, a perfect will, but it requires some work on our part. So if we look at our, I say all that to say that natural engineering requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of research. Same with spiritual engineering for our lives. In 1 Corinthians, did we, did we uh, I should probably get there myself, did we, uh, did we all find that? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. My, my, my translation is the New American Standard. Uh, as long as same with Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve, that's page uh, 1178. We have the same Bible. <laughs> this is Paul talking to the Corinthian church. In verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation." And another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation that another one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. But if any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he will receive a reward. Man, God right there is saying, the work that you do is going to be eternal. And he makes an interesting point. He says that there's a foundation that's laid, which is Jesus. And the Bible talks about this, and there's a, there's a parable, and I just, I just want to kind of get take a look at this real quick. The, uh, we would, many of you would know the parable. Uh, it's where the wise man that built his house upon a rock and then the foolish man that built his house on sand. And to paraphrase it here, it says, whenever the troubles of life came, whenever the winds came, the house that was built upon the rock remained. house that was built upon sand was destroyed. And in engineering, you, there's there's... Uh, engineers, whenever they go about to do their work, they understand the environment that they're working with. They understand what they need to make their foundation upon. For instance, like a civil engineer. I mean, there's some basic things that they can understand. You know, whenever you put up a stoplight, red means stop, yellow means go, or green means go, and yellow means go faster. (laughs) They understand that police are going to enforce the laws. They understand that Whenever they're putting in traffic patterns, people are going to jaywalk. They understand that only five people are going to obey the speed limit on Whitestown Road. They take these things into account. Right? I was behind, I was behind one of the five the other day. <laughs> just saying, just saying. No, but there's things that they understand whenever they're bu- they go about to build on top of a foundation. For instance... Uh, yeah, and again, just we referenced this a little bit from the previous week, but biomedical engineers, well, they understand the workings of the human body 
extremely well. In fact, they've devoted, most of them, decades of their life to understand it. Why? So that they could come up with one thing that works really well. A lot of these people that are specialized, they specialize in one thing, and they devote their entire lives to understanding it. But it's, it's a progressive work where they know what is the base level that I'm working with. And I think that's for us as Christians, we need to understand from a spiritual engineering standpoint, we need to under, understand the environment that we're in. Second point on the outline there. And so referencing that parable, Jesus says that we should be like the builder that builds upon the rock so that whenever the storms of life come, we're not totally wiped out by it. God wants us, guys, I'm telling you, God does not want us to be in a perpetual state of emergency. He doesn't want us to be in the perpetual state of panic, of wonder, of almost despair, wondering what's the next problem that's going to come. God wants us to be in a place where we're so sure of what we've built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ that we're reliant on our foundation to get us through things. But the foundation is extremely important. In fact, the foundation, if you don't have the right foundation, you'll never be able to achieve what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed by the world, but, you'll be, tra- but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. God wants you to be in the good, acceptable, and perfect level. He doesn't want you wandering around your life trying to put things together that never work. You know, to give an example with this, there's a, a, a minister friend of mine. He has a, a very immensely large church, and they were looking to expand. And so their original idea was that they wanted to, the, the land that they had was a little limited, so they wanted to expand by building a second floor on the existing building that they had. So they brought in all kinds of engineers, you know, to begin to look, architects, to, to look through and figure out exactly how they could go about it. And do you know what was interesting? He said the first thing that what they did is they actually look, looked at the foundation of the building first before they did anything else about the structure. And they found that in the foundation, the way that the foundation was made would never support two levels. And so the project was over that fast. Didn't even bother looking at anything else. Just... They looked at the foundation, determined that, wouldn't hold it, end of the story. It's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about whenever he said, you better have the right foundation in place or else you're not going to be able to build things on top of it. I'll give you another example that doesn't necessarily pertain to construction, because we can all think of, you know, massive construction failures, you know, throughout, you know, maybe even in your own life of things that you've tried to make or Lego sets that you've tried to assist your children in building that we don't need the instructions. We can figure out how this will all work in the end. And then whenever the set was a car and I've assembled a chair, you know, well, you get the idea. No, but uh, the company that I work for, uh, we have web engineers. And to kind of give you an idea of what that is, you know, whenever you go into a, a website, web page, web engineers have written lines of code that work behind the scenes to produce that web page, to show the way it does, to interact the way it does, everything of the sort like that. And so web engineers will design it, good web engineers will design it so that as, you know, demand increases for the pages, you know, that more can be built upon it. You know, you ever wonder why Facebook 
their, their outline, you know, the layout continually changes. Well, it changes so much so that it keeps all the haters guessing, like me. No, Thanks. No, just kidding. No, it changes all the time because they're trying to add new features. They're trying to account for the, the bandwidth of how many people are accessing their site. They're trying to make it more efficient continually. So there's a reason for it. It's almost like they're trying to build the right foundation and build upon it. Well, in my company, we started off very small. And so we developed this internal network to you know, be able to keep track of all of, our, all of our customers, our patients. And back in the day, it was created by the guy that was head of engineering and his wife over a weekend at their house. And so uh, needless to say, you know, times, times change whenever you know, you're only working with you know, 120 patients, you know, now, you know, you have over 25,000, well, it's a little different. Whenever they, whenever they put the, whenever they built everything for the internal network, they weren't anticipating to get the 25,000. They were looking to, hey, what can we do to get this just functional for 120 here? And so what happens is constantly, whenever we go to look in our system, we go to look in our system and, and we, we're, we're faced with these new problems because, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but you notice the world has changed a lot in 15 years. And so, so has business. And so here we are, we're looking, asking these questions, we go to our web engineers and we say, hey, could we do this? We need to be able to track this data. Can we get this kind of information? And they're just like, there's no way. There's no way you could do that. We'd have to rebuild the whole system. And, and it always comes back to, in their same statement is, we are working with something that was built by someone that was trying to house up to maybe 250 patients at a time. Everything we have on top of it can't support what you want. And so we're constantly in a state where, you know, something happens, something crashes. We add a new feature, something crashes. We always have the joke. Anytime we have one update, there's two more critical tickets that are going to be going in at the same time because we put one thing in, up, it's too much. It's like a bunch of spinning plates. You know, so we're either trying to balance the plates perfectly, you know, or we're looking at the pile of flaming garbage and we just shut the door and say, oh, that's future us's problem. We'll deal with that later. And wouldn't you know, it, you know, fire always gets out of the room and then we have to deal with it again. But it comes down to we can't do what we want to do all the time because the foundation that we're working with just simply can't support it. And it's kind of it's kind of funny, kind of embarrassing whenever you try to get a consulting firm or hire a contractor and they come in and they look at the, the code that it's all built on, they say, Yeah, we can't help you. <laughs> that's that's a lot. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't do anything to help you with it. And so we're left with this predicament where we have to almost kind of choose what we can manage to have. We can dream for what we want, but we never quite get exactly what we want to have. And as I thought about this, I thought, oh my gosh, isn't that so much like our lives sometimes with Jesus Christ? He says, I want to be your foundation. And you know what? A lot of times we're good with that. We start off, yeah, we'll build on Jesus Christ. We'll start to do some things to change our life of what he says. But then slowly but surely, instead of building on the foundation, we're going to make a guest house on the side that isn't on the foundation. And God's over here saying, no, 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 this is what I want you to do. These, bad, these, these attitudes that you have, I need, I need you to change those. But God, the guest house over here, look at this, what I'm doing over here, you know? And you know what? Sometimes we guys, where we're saying, hey, things are okay. And we, it, it, 
You can do a lot of good things look like it's a good thing, even in a church. God could be calling you that he wants you to go serve in mile one. And you say, nope, just want to usher. That's all I'm going to do. It's that easy to build off the foundation. Whenever you say something that's hurtful to your spouse, and you get that little nudge, apologize. Say you're sorry. Oh, they know it. They, I, I don't, they know I love them. You just built off the foundation. It's so easy to do. It's like, it, it, it's like you have to do constant maintenance to make sure everything that you were doing is laid upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. It's not simple. And I'm not up here telling you that I have it all figured out. I mean, just last night, we were showing teeth to each other. <laughs> no, it wasn't smiling. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We came back to the point of, look, there's an apology, and everything was in a good spot. But it took a little humility to do. Sure. Maybe for some of us at work, there's some people that we need to apologize to for how we've treated, mm-hmm. things that we've said, ways that we've tried to circumvent what they've wanted done. Just offer an apology. Why? Because as soon as you do that, you wipe out everything that you're building and you put it right on top of the foundation. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to explain this, and I want, you, I want this to motivate you. That foundation of Jesus Christ, whenever you encounter the things in your life, they creep up. Whenever you have those reoccurring family problems, whenever you have those reoccurring health issues, whenever you have the problems that come into life, all of a sudden it's different because you're not trying to scramble to figure out how you're going to get it all figured out yourself. You have the right to go to Jesus and say, my life is on you as a foundation and I need your support, Jesus Christ. Whew. That is exactly what God wants. Because then at that point, you can be confident. The storms of life, whenever they come, and they come, you know the foundation is set. It's not moving. It's Jesus Christ. All the dreams that you have, instead of it look like, looking like a hopeless thing of God, I could never have, man, you might even say, Pastor Ben, I don't even have a dream for my life. I did. Normalcy would be nice. Yeah, that's a good dream. <laughs> Let's be honest. I just I want to wake up and not have to deal with negative thoughts. I want to wake up and not have to feel like my life has no purpose. You know what? Get yourself in the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you do that, you might say, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? You just start to talk to him, start to pray to him, start to read your Bible, start to come to church. Man, those prayer times, I tell you what, you want, you want God to, to help speak to your heart? Get to those prayer times if you can. Why? Because God's going to start to say, oh, hey, hey, the things that you're doing over here, let's get this just scooted over just a little bit right here. And as you start to do that, you're going to find that it fuels your life. Why? Because I am now on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to do everything in my own strength. And I feel like a lot of us, we do that. And it's so easy to get caught up into it. Where we make decisions and we're not consulting. God, is this the right thing to do? Is this what we should be saying? Is this what I should be doing? We just go ahead and do it. And we do it without a second thought. 
But man, thank God he's so generous, he's so kind, he's so merciful, that even whenever we do that, man, God's always in the mood for a good remodel. He is. And whenever we build our lives off the risen Christ, we have the environment set. It's a good thing. And you know what? God wanted me to share this with you. Know, share this with you. Sometimes it's good to do collaboration with other builders. I, I can remember whenever I was a trim carpenter, um, the guy that I worked for, he was a younger guy, and he would always call this other contractor because we would go and we'd work in these custom homes, and sometimes these people would come up with these crazy thoughts of what they wanted their woodwork to look like. And he would explain that to us, and we'd be like, how do we do that, Brian? And he would, he would then say, I called my, my buddy, and I talked to him about it. His, his, it was kind of like his mentor in woodworking. And his mentor had worked, I forget how many years it was, but his entire, entire life was trim carpentry and custom homes. So he had made just about everything. The guy had figured out one way or another how to make whatever. And it was interesting, but Brian would always go to collaborate. And he'd come back with an idea. And he was, so, he was like the most humble guy ever. We'd be like, man, that's a good idea. And he's like, well, I got it from, got it from the guy that I called. It wasn't me. But now we know. So it's now, now we can say it's our idea. You know, but I mean, he was always so open with telling us, hey, I, yeah, I, I asked for help. And what I want to encourage us, some of us, we need to be talking to our, our fellow Christians about things going on, our, on in our lives. Why? Well, God's certainly able to speak through people, isn't he? Amen. Sometimes it doesn't matter the vessel. True. It's the voice that comes through the vessel. So I want to encourage you. Some of the foundation, you know, even if you're coming up, little, little things, you know, it's okay to share with your fellow Christians what's going on in your life. If you have a decision that you're, you're going to make, you know, just say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? You're struggling with thoughts. You ever just have thought, just even in conversation, ask someone, hey, I just wanted to ask you, you ever, you ever have times that you struggle with X, Y, or Z? And as you, you're going to find that as you are humble, it says that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's like the moment that you ex express that humility and you're expressing the faith that, man, somebody else could help me. Man, it's like you're a blip on God's radar. And his grace goes right to you. I don't know who's that for, but I really do encourage you. Talk to your fellow builders. Because you know what? Maybe they've gone through something that you have at the same time and they can help you immensely. And sometimes the prayers, in fact, I, I'll say this. You might have been praying to ask God to speak to your heart, and God's not going to speak to your heart. He's going to speak through somebody else. And until you express that humility where you break down enough to talk to someone else and ask them for help, God is not going to reveal what he wanted. You might say, well, I don't, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't agree with that. Go read the Old Testament. God spoke to one person, and that one person spoke to other people a whole lot. And it's the same today. But it's all about the foundation. We want to have the right foundation that we build on. The next thing we want to, I, want to, I want to get through, and we're, there's, there's no way that I could spiritually engineer this, us to complete this outline. In, in the time. But hey, you know what? There's always next week. Amen. Hey, it makes it easy, right? We have an outline already done. <laughs> 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 
The next thing I want to talk about, though, is that in, in engineering, they have, they have a, a foundation. They know the environment that they're working within. And I watched, I watched this thing uh, on, on wind turbines in, on, on YouTube, uh, mostly because wind, wind turbines fascinate me and terrify me at the same time. Uh, they are far too big, and they move far too quickly. I mean, if you think about it, the edges of that big wind turbine, those things are clocking around at 200 miles an hour, and they're just massive, massive pieces of, of, of engineering. And so I was watching this special, and they're talking about how, you know, they had to, you know, at first, the problem was, 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 was the base. They had to get the right base in the early versions of the wind turbines with certain crosswinds that would knock the base over. Then they had to, once they figured that out, they had to get the pitch of the, the actual blades facing right to get the optimal amount of energy to, to spin the, the wind turbine to actually generate the electricity so that it, wasn't, it was actually useful. And so they said that as time went on, they had the first generation of all these wind turbines, and they said they went back 15 years later, and they were finding that the efficiency on all these first-generation wind turbines was just terrible. And well, what they didn't account for, <laughs> what they didn't account for was the elements. Not necessarily rain or snow, but all the little dust particles in the air. And so what they were finding is the edges of the, of, the, of the blades were chipping from all the dust particles that were blowing through them over the course of 15 years. And as that chipped away, it made the wind turbine not spin as efficiently. So what they had to go back through is they had to go back through with new materials and recoat and rebuild these, these blades so that they could withstand the elements that were being, the wind, what the wind was blowing through the air at them better. And what we need to do as Christians sometimes, and this is the cool thing, but before I get to the point, the cool thing was is they said that it was, it was good and it was bad. It was bad that we didn't think about it before, and we didn't consider how much damage we've done. But it was good because they were able to take new materials that they now have and put them over the, over the blades that was far more, far way beyond anything they would have had 15 years ago. They had better tools to work with, better materials. For us as Christians, we need to understand the elements that we are working with. And if you think about it, the, how amazing we have moved throughout history in what we've discovered. I mean, think about it. If King David, just let's take it for, for, for here. King David, whenever he saw lightning in the sky, do you think he ever imagined that someone would understand electricity, that that's what that is, to be able to harness power, to then provide lights through a light bulb or put a, something on a video screen with that? Do you think that ever entered his imagination? I mean, I've read, I've read Psalms. He hasn't, just to, to spoil it for you. <laughs> but yeah, you're finding yourself, yeah, it might be in there. Or what about, what about 13th century surgeons whenever they would have the, 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 oper, the operating uh, stadium? You ever see those old pictures where one person's down on the table and there's a room full of people all watching? Do you think that they ever thought in the 13th century that, hey, you know what, if we use magnets, put some electricity into that, and then put a little bit of chemicals in the person's body, whoa, we could see everything that's going on in there. 
You think anybody thought of that back then? No way. Or whenever you do read Psalms and they talk about the heavens, you think that they ever imagined somebody inventing a telescope that the average person could purchase and then peer into the stars and see things in the sky? I mean, it, it, was, it was last summer we went to uh, my aunt and uncle's and he has a, a fairly powerful telescope. And it was amazing. We, we literally saw the rings of Saturn from his backyard through the telescope. And what was even crazier was how often we had to move the telescope because it's all in motion. It was, it, do you think the psalmist, whenever he talked about the stars of the heavens, thought about, oh, one day I'll also look at the rings of Saturn? No, it wasn't in their it wasn't in their thoughts. How about the Hebrews? Did the Hebrews understand that whenever God gave them the law, in all the ways to be ceremonially clean, and all the procedures that they had to go through, and the certain animals that they shouldn't eat, did did you think they thought, oh, this is God protecting us from harmful microbes? <laughs> they had no concept of understanding what a bacteria or a virus was. None. But we do now. You look, at, you look at where we've come and where mankind is on a level of discovery and understanding of the elements around us and what, what is on this earth available to us and what we can do with it. It's, it is breathtaking. And those, what I want to understand is those are the minds of humans. The mind of God is so far beyond that. God is constantly thinking about us. You know what David did say in the Psalms? He said, if I were to number the sands of the ocean, your thoughts would outnumber the sands of the ocean towards me. God is constantly thinking about you. He loves you so much. He is constantly thinking about you, and he is constantly trying to get you to understand all the different things that he has provided in this life for you that he wants you to work with. Because I'll tell you what, all the modern marvels that we have, there is an element, there is, a, there is material that we have to work with that is far beyond anything that modern science could ever possibly produce. The Word of God itself Amen. has been given to us. I'm going to tell you what, whenever, whenever we look, we look in, into eternity and we get there, we're going to find that a man like Moses, who was given the Word of God and what he did with that Word of God, we're going to look at everything that humans have accomplished throughout all of, all of, the, all of the time that we have been on this earth, and it's going to look like a pile of mud compared to someone what a man like Moses did with the word of God and obeying it. Right. It can be the same for us. Let me walk through just real quickly with you a few of the things that this can be used for in our life with spiritual engineering. It says that this overcomes the impossible. In Luke... Mary asked the question whenever she was told that she would be given Jesus as her son. How are these things possible? What did the angel say? With God, all things are possible. 
The Word of God literally undoes what we consider to be reality. It can surpass it. It can overcome it. You know what the Word of God does? It invalidates death. It says in Romans 4.17, says, As is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham. It says, In the presence of God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. That's the Word of God. Amen. It guides you. Gives you wisdom. It says that it, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It says the entrance of your words brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. Sometimes I'm simple and I could use some more understanding. It restores health. Proverbs 4, it says, your word is life to my body and it restores my flesh. It restores your mind. In Psalm 119, it says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Before we take off, what I want to do is, some of you may have listened to those scriptures, and you may have scoffed at it. Said, I've tried it. doesn't work. What I'm going to tell you may seem cliche, but it's true nonetheless. Thomas Edison tried a thousand times, over a thousand times, to create a light bulb, and it didn't work. And then he found one time that did. I'm convinced that a lot of Christians, they pick up a, a, a scripture, and they see that it applies to their life, and they think, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is it. And then whenever the problems happen, it doesn't work. I guess that doesn't work for me. And then we become, they become jaded at it. The modern feats of engineering weren't accomplished the first time. They were accomplished with a whole lot of failure. Sometimes in our Christian life, and I'll tell you this right now, I've learned a lot of different ways of how my own faith works. And I'll leave you with this. There was a point in my life where I needed healing. Now, I've shared the story before, but it was in my knee. I had torn my meniscus, done a bunch of, it was, it was not pretty. You could feel a chunk of the cartilage on the side of my knee. It was bad. Well, here it is. I've been, I've been going to church for years. I, I, I've, I've seen testimony of people who have their hands laid on them and instantly healed. So, well, I'm going to do that too. I go up and get prayed for. Guess what happened? I was not instantly healed. Discouraging? Yeah, a little bit. I wanted healed. It hurt. Doctor said I did. The only way to get around is surgery. So what did I do? I went back at it. It didn't stop me from reading the Bible. It didn't stop me from believing it. I learned one way that I need to find another way that this is, this is received. I gotta, there's something else here. i got to figure something else out. You know what? Over the next three months, I begin to realize that my faith and my life, while 
an instantaneous recovery, I may not have the strongest faith for. But a gradual recovery, I absolutely have the faith that my God can mend my body in ways that medical science cannot even understand. Yes. And I'll tell you, after three months of applying my faith and changing my faith and figuring out how do I need to tweak my own heart, my own believing, in three months, my knee was totally healed without surgery, and I've had zero problems with it since. And whenever you ask the medical professionals who are absolutely adamant, you've, torn, you've done a lot of damage to your knee, you will need surgery to fix this. Well, why is it okay now? It must have been something else. <laughs> yeah, it was something else. Amen. It was my faith working in my life. And so what I want to encourage you, don't give up just because you have one setback in your life. You might say, you don't understand how big of a setback it was. You're right, I don't, but God does. And you can have some marvelous conversations with him about that. And God's going to be eager to not just give you one scripture, but to give you an entire book of them if you will dig in and find them. God is going to give you ways that you can overcome the things in your life, the things that you think are impossible to get past. He is a God that engineers around the impossible. But it's up to us to want it. It's up to us to not just give up after the first go. I mean, think of the submarine. The first time that they made it and it didn't work, I mean, I, it wasn't like this, oh, well, I guess, guys, we just can't put anything underwater. Tough. I guess, we, guess, guess we're done here. No, back at the drawing board. That's what we need to be. Don't give up just because you've had one setback. And you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking more about the different elements that God has given us to work with. His word is the biggest one. His word, I tell you what, if you know the word of God, it is a, the reason why it says it's a double-edged sword, why? So that whenever the problem comes up, you have seven different ways to attack that with scripture that you can stand on and pray for because you know what God has promised you. I encourage you, find out where your faith is. Get into the Word of God. There's so much that He wants to give you through it. Man, God's good to us. Amen. And you know, uh, as, we, as we close out here, the, the most important part of, of the service um, is knowing that you have a relationship with this master engineer, our Father God that you have the right foundation. And the Bible says the way to get that foundation is to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And the Bible says that whenever you do that, whenever you ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to be in charge of your life, he says he forgives your sins and you now have a place with him for all of eternity. And all the promises that are in this Bible now become available to you simply by asking Him to be the Lord of your life. So if everyone could, just real quickly, if you could, bow your head, close your eyes, no one looking around, everyone being respectful. This is the most important part of what we're going to do today. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life,